What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is the Certified Wrench Podcast. Today, I've got a very special guest, uh, actually by high demand. I've got Quentin of Caterpillar Wrenching on the phone. What's up, man? What's up, Colton? Thank you very much for giving me this great opportunity to be on your podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Is it a good opportunity for you? I feel like it's a good opportunity for me. I feel like you have a way, <laughs> way bigger following than I do, man. Oh, you know, it's a great opportunity for myself. You know, I don't, I don't get out on the screen at, as much as I, as I would like, and I don't talk to people as much as, as I would like, and I'm just busy all the time. So this is a perfect time to kind of tell everybody about myself. Hell yeah, sir. So actually, let's let's dive into it. Let's uh. Everybody, I'm sure, wants to know your background and how you got into things. So let's uh, let's talk about you a little bit. How'd you get into this lifestyle? Right on. Well, you know, I was a I was a younger um, younger kid, and I was looking for a great opportunity, um, and I really needed a career. I went through some stuff, and you know, in my early early teens, and I got in trouble, and. Uh, I figured out that I really just wanted to work hard for my money and I wanted to have a nice paycheck waiting for me and not have to worry about anything. So from there, um, I was about 22 years old. I kind of got in some trouble, like I said, in the, in the beginning of my, of my life. And, um, I found a great career path. I honestly, I really just was looking for anything. I just had my first child and, um, I just need to support him and support my wife and support my family. And, um, I, Honestly, I went and applied to a bunch of union jobs here in the Bay Area. Um, actually, I'm in Sacramento area right now, but when I used to live in the Bay Area, and I, I applied for steam fitters, I applied for a pile driver, I applied for you know laborers, pretty much anything. And in these times, it was 2000, you know, 2009, 2010, somewhere right around there. And um, obviously, our economy was doing crappy, so it was really hard to find a job. Um, I did actually go to Wild Tech straight out of high school and I fucked that off, you know, didn't really barely made the class. And, you know, that's my fault. That was my own money. And uh, the teachers were crappy. All of us were just partying in Wild, Wild Tech. I was just, it was just a pretty much a big party, party spot. And uh, so I fucked that off. Um, then, you know, I kept on doing my thing. I, I grew up as a mover as a young kid, my stepdad was a mover. So I always been a hard worker. He's always taught me to be a hard worker. Um, so then after a while applying at different unions, um, it was once I, once I would get there to take the test, there was thousands of people there. It was, it was always a battle. And like I said, it wasn't, the economy wasn't doing good stuff like that. So I finally, um, I talked to the cat dealership and I asked them if they had a, I kind of got interested from a family member. And he was a heavy equipment field technician. And I just thought it was badass, dude. I just thought it was freaking cool. Um, I've never been very mechanically inclined at all. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I grew up with my stepdad. And uh, he, our cars were always working good. And, you know, he actually drove a motorcycle too. But he did very little maintenance on his motorcycle. I didn't actually help him a lot. I was already in my teen years by then. And, and I was into a different, you know, different lifestyle back then. So what I pretty much ended up doing is I applied at Peterson Cat in San Leandro at their main shop as a utility person. This is what my family friend told me to do. And so I applied as a utility person and I ended up getting in. 
obviously probably because I had a family friend in there back in these days, it was really hard to get into a cat dealership and I'm not going to be around the bush. You, you almost didn't get in unless you knew somebody. Exactly. Um, yes. Nowadays it's a little different. There's a lot of opportunity for just about anybody, but you know, back in these days and now, you know, going throughout my years, it bothered me a little bit that not everybody really had a good opportunity at the cat dealership. And this is the one in the Bay area. This is Peterson cat in San Leandro, their main hub. And it's really hard to afford the Bay area. It's hard to find technicians out there. It's hard to find people who are interested in heavy equipment or just downright, just interested in working hard out there. There's a lot of tech companies, a lot of different ways to make money, a, a lot of money, different ways over the computer in the Bay area. So they do struggle looking for workers in the Bay area. So I was able to get in as a utility person, um, started out, ground up, walked into the shop, and I was just amazed. Couldn't believe some of the stuff that I was seeing. Um, literally went to Wild Tech, literally went all throughout high school, never knew that there was a cool career like this until I started kind of seeing what my family friend was doing out in the field. He would show me some pictures on some blue moon and stuff like that. Um, so once I finally got in there, there was big rebuilds, you know, D9 rebuilds, D10 repowers, I mean, all types of cool stuff, but I didn't know what I was looking at. You know, I'm just a sweeper kid coming in there. Um, started off, you know, just as a utility guy, sweeping, working in the tool room. Then I got myself into the tool room and learned a lot in the tool room. That's where I really started. Um, you know, in the beginning, I, I never thought it was possible to be a mechanic for a Caterpillar dealership. I said, I'll just be happy in the tool room right here. I said, I'll be perfectly fine. I'll take care of all the mechanics. I ended up loving the tool room. Um, but from there, I've seen great opportunity and we needed more mechanics. And after about two years in the tool room, learning all the equipment, learning the names of stuff, learning, you know, all different types of stuff, how to use all tooling and stuff like that. Um, they asked me if I wanted to become a technician. And I said, you bet your sweet ass I want to become a technician. <laughs> um, so they sent me out to the floor. My very first job, I'm not going to lie, is a 988 rebuild um, powertrain plus hydraulics. And at this time, um, me and my buddy, his name's Ryan. I don't want to say his last name, but he's a field tech for Peterson now. Badass, badass dude, man. And he was just a young kid. We were both just young kids. And we both got our own 988 rebuild from the same company. And they sent both of their 988 loaders in um, to get rebuilt at the same time. So he got one and I got one, but, um, unfortunately for him, he was in the think big program. So he was going back to school three months on three months off. Well, me, I kind of worked up from a utility person and I was, I was already full time. So I was able to stay there and stay on my machine the whole time and keep on working on it. I mean, those rebuilds took a long time, but for somebody coming out of the tool room, not knowing anything, not even really knowing how to navigate on sys or anything like that, it was, it was a struggle. But I'm not going to lie. I did pretty good. Um, everything except for missing a spacer on the articulation area. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty crappy. We found that out <laughs> um, right after it got out of paint. And, uh, of course, you know, the spec shop and the main shop are always going back and forth. That's something that I like to change myself. I've been working on changing that between dealerships, any dealership that I work at. But the spec shop foreman was going back with my foreman saying, hey, man, your pump's not upstroking, your pump's not upstroking. And the next thing you know, the, the spec shop foreman, who is very knowledgeable, jumped in the machine, ran the machine, got the pump to upstroke, and then said, hey, 
asshole. I think you're missing a spacer in your articulation. When I was running it, I felt it. And I'm not going to lie. When I did that articulation, there's a lot of stuff that goes into an articulation, the rolling torque, adding all your shims, your spacers. You want to make sure you're not too tight, not too loose, all that good stuff. Um, but my boss went to Hawaii that weekend. I specifically remember remembering doing the articulation when he was gone and he was in Hawaii and he comes back. He says, how's it going? I said, dude, it went amazing. I took care of it. I got it all done. And you know, about a month or two later, you know, after it gets out of paint, we find out that uh, it's missing a spacer. So long story short, we all came together. We're one team. Um, my foreman was a little bit mad with me, but he was still pretty cool. And we stayed late that day. We, um, busted all the lines loose. We popped the pins out. We split the machine, added the, added the spacer back in, put it back together. And, you know, it was maybe four guys for four hours, but that was one of my biggest mistakes that I've ever made. You know, definitely, um, <laughs> never going to forget the spacer on our articulation again. So that was, uh, that was fun. Um, and then just a really quick go through it. Um, I had a foreman, another foreman approached me and says, Hey, I, I got an SST position open. And SST is called a scheduled service technician in the shop. And I was pretty much a loop tech in the shop, but I would work in the rental department and I would do all the turning machines and lubing machines. So um, he promised me 10 hours a day and it was kind of slow back then for a service tech. So he promised me 10 hours a day for six days a week for two years. And he says, hey, if you promise me that you're going to do that for me, I'll take you on. And, and I really wanted to work for this foreman. He was the most badass foreman in the whole shop. I mean, he was a field tech and he ran the whole rental department. I mean, he's just a badass dude. I looked up to him a lot. And he's the guy who trained my old foreman that I looked up to a lot. So I said, man, if I can get the information from this guy, I'm going straight to the source here. <laughs> so I took, the, I took the job after about a year in the shop. Um, I took the job. I took a step back. And, you know, I felt, I, I felt kind of like, like crap for it. You know, I was a technician. I could have just kept on going, but I took a step back and said, you know what, why don't I get more familiar with the machines, learn how to drive them all a lot better. And that's pretty much what, what I did. And anybody who's got any plans on getting into the dealership, I say a utility person is your best option. And then if not a loop technician is your best, best, best option. Because if you plan on becoming a mechanic, long story short, every time before you remove big components, before you do stuff, you have to drain your fluids and you have to fill them back up when you're done. And that's half the job, you know, and then you go in there and you remove your component. But if you can't get your fluids right, you might as well not even worry about removing and installing the component, right? Yep. So, um, long story short, I felt really good. I learned how to, you know, do all the, do all the, the stuff that, you know, when you're kind of starting out, I jumped straight into a technician and, uh, I said, you know, let me go and let me just get familiar with all these different machines. So, you know, as a, a tech in the shop on the service side, I was just working on, on, on customer's equipment. Well, now I got to see the rental department equipment, all the brand new equipment. Hmm. I got to to um work with some of the best technicians in the whole shop and that was one of my main things too i just really wanted to work with these badass technicians right yep. because this 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 foreman he would he would pretty much go find all the best field guys and he would say all right i want you to come work in my rental department and they would just specifically work on all of his rental equipment all of the new equipment that we sent out if it had a problem and stuff like that so i i really enjoyed working with him a lot and then 
And after that two years, I made my promise good. I stuck with him for two years. It was great money. I learned a lot. And I went back to the service side, um, put another two, three years in on the service side, learned a ton, did tons of certified rebuilds, um, did some repowers. We got a bunch of 657 repowers at that time. Um, helped out a little bit with those, but I was more like a floater because we, I think it was about three years, three, four years ago, we got about 10, 657 repowers. Wow. So here, yeah, here in California, a lot of these um, job sites are asking all of their their general contractors to have their equipment tier four final. Mm-hmm. So if, if it's not tier four final, they can't go work on the big Google job sites and the big Apple job sites. And, you know, pretty much anywhere in the Bay area, they'll, they'll run you out if you don't have that equipment. It's retarded because it doesn't make a difference for them. <laughs> what equipment's building their properties. Exactly. You know how it is. It's California. It's a, it's an emissions thing. Yep. I think, you know, it's, we don't really want to get into that too no, much. Of course not. Exactly. I think it's just a, a waste of customers' money. Yep. But I don't want to get into it too much. It's it's one of those things where the government's actually forcing a customer to deal with a tractor that's pretty much getting suffocated. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, that's part of the program over here in the Bay Area. Um, in general, contractors, it's just part of the ball game. If you want to play this ball game out here, it's expensive, and you got to have the latest and greatest equipment. Yes. Yep. So then from there, I pretty much um, worked in the service department. I loved it. I fell in love with working on heavy equipment. I started my Caterpillar wrenching page. Um, I really just wanted to show everybody, all my family and friends, what I was up to at work. I wanted to show all my plumber buddies, all my electrician buddies, all of them. We pretty much made more money than me, unfortunately. Um, but I wanted to show them that my job was more badass than theirs, right? Like, like I I got a cooler job than you guys. You guys are like playing with wires all day, dude. Like, look at this big old machine that I'm wrenching on. <laughs> so, so I just kind of wanted to brag to my family and my friends. I just wanted to show them what I was up to and what I was doing. Of course, everybody started like, dude, that's hella cool, man. That's that's awesome. Look what you're doing. And, uh, you know, they would always, man, Q, how are you so mechanically inclined? And, you know, I, I didn't want to tell them that I'm not, I wasn't that mechanically inclined before I studied. But it's just been a long path and slowly getting it. Some people are just naturally mechanically inclined. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those guys. So it's been a long, rough path. I've been getting beat up and punched and stepped on on the way. But, um... I made it through it. And, you know, a lot of the times you, that tractor feels like it's going to win, like it's going to beat you, but I never let the tractor beat me. I always make sure that I beat that tractor up. Not is Don't let it beat you up. So <laughs> from there, from there, I started the whole Caterpillar wrenching page. We'll get, we'll get into that a little bit. And then um, it was about time for me to buy a house. So, you know, I've been living in the Bay Area for a long time. I grew up in the Bay Area. That's where I grew up. And it's just super expensive. Really, the, only the old, old journeymen were able to afford buying the house at the dealership, you know, anywhere local because they bought it years ago. Now, all the houses are about 1,500 square feet out there and about 900000 to a million bucks. And uh, everybody's pretty much commuting two to three hours out to Tracy, Modesto, Manteca. I'm sure you're kind of familiar with, with the Altamont and, you know, that, oh, that yeah. commute. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's it's a nightmare. A lot of the people they just you know they just 
after work, they drive an hour and a half to get to work. And then after work, they just sit in their cars for another two to three hours just getting home, you know, let yeah. alone there being a, an accident or rain and stuff like that. So slowly what I started noticing is I started noticing that, um, I'm sorry. I started noticing that um, a lot of people who are making that commute were having a, a rough life with their with their family. They weren't able to make it to the to their kids' baseball games on time. They weren't able to hang out with them all the time. You know, let alone if they had to work on a Saturday, they're gone on a Saturday too. They can't hang out with their family, and it just it honestly, some of them are going through divorces, and it just seemed miserable. Mm. Um, that brings me. Yeah, that does bring me to one of my points where I was renting for so long. I was paying $2,600 for renting a house. And then I just I just couldn't do it anymore. I never had the opportunity to own or buy a house. And I always told myself, I said, you know, there's there's options out there. I'm not taking advantage of them. So what I did is I, unfortunately, I, with my two children, I had to suck it up and ask my in-laws if we can move back in with them. And uh, actually, the the homeowner wanted to sell the house because the, the houses were going skyrocketing here in the Bay Area. And he wanted to sell it for a lot. So he asked if we would leave. He gave us our deposit back and everything. And uh, I said, you know what? This is this might be a blessing from God. Let's ask. Let's ask your parents. Um, I told my wife, let's ask your parents if we can come stay with them for a little while. And uh, they were super cool. No problem. I mean, they literally, they, they moved out of their own room, then the room with the bathroom and everything at their house. And they don't have much. They just had a nice, they just had a small little house in Fremont, California. And uh, they moved out of their, their uh, master bedroom and they gave it to us. And we stayed there for about, because we had our two boys and everything. It was a lot easier in that room and we all slept together in that one room for about a year and a half. Wow. And then after that, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> and then that was when I was working for Peterson. And then, uh, after that, you know, we all get tired of the same stuff all the time and everything. So, you know, we, we came to a, to kind of an ending point with the in-laws and we didn't want to, we didn't want to make it a bad thing. So we said, Hey, I went and talked to my parents and at that time, I just, it was about a year, year and a half, and we just didn't have enough saved up to buy a home. So I talked to my parents, and they actually had two bedrooms at this time um, before they did it. So now they had two bedrooms. So we moved into my parents' house in Fremont, California also, and we saved up about $28,000 after three years. Nice. It doesn't sound like much. Yeah, it doesn't sound like <laughs> much, but it was hard, and, you know, we... We did what we had to. We moved in with the family, and I'm sure you know how that is. Um, yeah. I don't know if you ever had to deal with that, but it's we love them, but we love them when we don't have to see them every day or <laughs> have to hear all the bitching and all that good stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So after that, we finally uh, we got up to twenty eight thousand. I was starting to look uh, look for houses in Tracy, and when I was looking for houses in Tracy, I was willing to make that that long commute. But then at the same time, it's just some of my coworkers were just. Like I said, they were getting divorced. They were just, you know, they were just living miserably just so they could make the commute, just so they could pay the bills because, um, you know, the Valley doesn't pay as good as the Bay Area. Yeah. So long, long story short, um, we were able to save up that almost about 30000 and I almost moved to Tracy, but the houses were still five fifty in Tracy, and I wasn't getting a pool. I wasn't getting anything I wanted. So I said, you know what? 
um, let's take a trip over to Sacramento area. So I told my wife, we came out here to Sacramento area. We stayed in Roseville and um, we started looking at some prices of homes out here and they were a lot more affordable. So after that, um, you know, I did, unfortunately, I had to go to my rival, um, competitor, uh, Holta, California, but <laughs> to me as a technician, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it is the rival Peterson cat in Holta, California. They butt heads a lot. Um, but you know, honestly, Peterson cats a lot bigger, um, and Holta, California, they're, they're awesome company. I love them both. I can't say one bad thing about Peterson cat. I loved working for Peterson cat. Mm. I can't say one bad thing about Holta, California. I personally love working for Holta, California. Um, great guys, uh, both dealerships, a bunch of hard workers. I mean, it was just really, it's my type of crew in both, in both dealerships. So it was a sad day. Um, I ended up leaving Peterson Cat because I found something more affordable in the Sacramento area. I stopped at the Holt California dealership. I met everybody there at the Holt dealership. I talked to the service manager. I talked to um, to the leads and stuff like that. And I really liked the vibe there. So from there, I looked about 30 minutes away because I didn't want to deal with the commute every day. I wanted to enjoy my life. So I took a seven-day pay cut to leave the Bay area and come to Sacramento. And then after that, um, it took me about six months and then they bumped me up to a full journeyman. And then about a few, maybe about a year after that, they made me a lead. Wow. Um, so yeah. So unfortunately for Holta, California, they, they have not been able to keep a lot of their, their old technicians. Um, some of their, their very experienced technicians, and we can go why they're not able to do that, you know, later on in the podcast. But there's a lot of different reasons, but the main reason is money. There's more yeah. money out there for a lot of uh, a lot of people. And kind of this rural area out here, more of the people from the Sacramento area move out of California a lot more often than the people in the Bay Area. Yeah, that every, makes any every, sense to everybody in the Bay Area is making their way up towards where you're at now. Uh, that's been happening a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I know the Sacramento people probably aren't too happy about that. But, no, uh, just like the Texas is. people are, aren't happy that I moved from Sacramento to Texas. So. <laughs> exactly, dude. And you know what? It's super funny. I totally felt that when I came to the dealership in Sac. And they were like, man, you freaking homo from the Bay Area. What are you doing over here, dude? We don't want you over here. And, you know, I, I kill them with kindness. That's that's my thing, dude. I just, I work hard and I kill them with kindness. And little by little, they just started loving me over there too. And, you know, <laughs> I, got a, I got a really good relationship with everybody. And I'm a little different than most people, right? I'm not your average tractor mechanic. I'm I'm pretty much a city boy who wish he grew up in the country at this point. Um, but you know, I've went through a lot of learning in my life. I'm a proud American. I've went through the struggles and I've made it up on top and this is where I'm at now. So I was pretty happy again making it um, out to Sacramento. I've made a lot of made a lot of friends at first. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, this caterpillar wrenching guy. And I know what they I mean, they don't tell it to me to my face, but I know behind my back they're like screw this guy this guy thinks he's the shit and stuff but and i don't and i don't carry myself like that i've been told by a field mechanic a long time ago you know just just be humble dude just be a humble mechanic no matter what you do just be humble because the minute you start talking shit dude 
that's the minute shit starts going downhill for you. That's right. So I did. Yeah, exactly. So I did that a long. I did. I learned that lesson a long time ago, and I'm a very humble mechanic. I am not your best mechanic. Like I said, I am not. I did not start off being mechanically inclined, but I love what I do. I take a lot of pride in it, and. When I make my repairs, I'm thinking about the customer. And I know it kind of sounds cliche, right? But I really am thinking about the customer. If it's a big customer, it's a small customer. If I install this and these lines are rubbing and it's going to it's gonna work for, you know, 200, 300, maybe 1,000 hours. But after 1,000 hours and these lines are rubbing, this is my fault. This is my fault why that tractor goes down. This is my fault why that customer is not making his thousand dollars per load or per an hour whatever um you know so i really took that to heart i really learned a lot from the old school technicians at peterson cat and how much this industry how important it is i mean you can have your excavator that's loading all your hull trucks go down and if your excavator goes down now you got all your hull trucks lined up and you had to pay all those guys by the hour and you got your mechanic out there and it could have been something as little as Maybe he could have confirmed that that line wasn't rubbing before he sent it out a year before, you know, a thousand hours before that and stuff. So nowadays, unfortunately, I'm a quality control inspection inspector on top of being a lead mechanic there at Holta, California. So all of that stuff falls on me. Um, and I take a lot of pride in all that stuff, making sure everything looks really good before it gets to the customers. Right on, man. So to, yeah. So to pick back up, um, so then I started at Holta, California, and at Peterson Cat, I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of journeymen there. So you didn't get as much opportunity as you as I got here at Holta, California, because there was not a lot of journeymen. So at Peterson Cat, you would kind of, as a young technician, they would always have you shadowing a guy. And, um, well, I, I did tons of my own repairs, but for the most part, like on, on the big rebuild, you'd be shadowing a guy on a big, you know, transmission pool, you'd be shadowing a guy until they felt really, really comfortable with you. Well, hold to California. I got there in my first day. They're like, here goes a scraper trans diff removal. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I've never removed a scraper trans diff you know, before. And they said, like, Oh, well, no big deal. We got like another guy doing one in the back and we got this other guy doing one over here. Like we all do them. Uh, I'm like, wow. Okay. So no problem. This is the type of work that all the journeymen would get. Hmm. So on this, this very first scraper, Oh my God, at Holta, California, dude, I was, and like I said, don't let the tractor win. I, I was almost thinking about just like <laughs> hanging it up. I'm like, maybe this shit ain't for me, dude. Fucking, <laughs> this is horrible. So I did a scraper transmission removal on a 627 K and I did it very much by the book. I was watching a lot of the technicians in the shop and it wasn't quite to the Peterson cat par. Um, a lot of, I was seeing a lot of stuff that I normally didn't see. Um, and it kind of comes with young technicians not getting trained from the old journeyman. Right. Yes. So I was very clean. I bagged all my stuff. I capped all my stuff. I removed it very nicely. I removed all my pumps and I removed all this stuff and, and long story short, I'm into this job way longer than anybody else is into this job, right? They're all busting them out quicker than me. But what I told myself is I'm a dealer technician, and the way that I go about things is a little bit different than the way that most mechanics or technicians would go about things who were not trained by the dealership from day one. So I did this trans, I did this trans diff, removed it, installed it, all this good stuff. After I done installing it for the first time, I ran it. And I 
man, everything looked really good, really clean, but I'm getting a, like a drip or two coming from my mounting seal, my trans diff. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, dude, this is my very first big job. I'm like, these guys are going to fire me. I'm like, I'm the Caterpillar wrenching guy. These guys are like, dude, this guy's probably a fucking big turd. And I worked hard on it, man. I made sure everything was clean. I made sure it was dealership quality. Hoses weren't rubbing. But I had a leak. And that, that fucker kept on dripping, dude. And it kept on dripping. And I was like, man, maybe it's old. maybe it's the grease burning away, dripping, you know, turning into what I think is an oil drip. But normally I could feel the difference of a, a grease drip and an oil drip. The grease drip will kind of go away in your fingers after a few rubs. The oil drip just stays nice and slick, you know. It, and I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, this is oil. And I go tell my boss, you know, and my boss is all, ah, no, I think that, I, I think that's just residual, dude. You're, you're good to go. <laughs> and I'm like, are you sure, man? I'm like, I really don't think so. And he's like, nah, man, just, just run it, dude. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just residual. He's like, I was with you when you installed it, dude. We, we installed it perfect. <laughs> because he did. I thought that was pretty cool. The whole guys at Peterson Cat, you would just be like, here's your component. Go install that shit. And at Peterson, at, at Holt to California, it was like a big group that came together. And I really liked that. That was pretty cool. A big group came together when we came to install this big component. So we installed that big component. Long story short, my lead at that time, he inspected it, said it was good, and he sent it out. <sighs> came back about two months later. Hmm. And it came rolling in the shop. I've fucking seen it roll up. I went and checked the serial number and I shed my pants. I said, God fucking damn. I looked underneath there and it was oily. Oof. And Holt and to California was super cool about it. They're like, you, yeah, you got fucking redo, bro, on your very first job. And I've already done a bunch of jobs from here and I've been doing good so far. But now this fucking job came back, my very first one, and I had redo on it. So long story short... I said, okay, I'm going to suck this shit up. That's my fault. I can't blame nobody else but myself. And I pulled that fucker out again. And it's not an easy task. I don't know if you ever had to deal with it, but a trans diff on a scraper 627K is kind of a fucking nightmare, dude. You got to drop the diff oil. There's like like 60 gallons of diff oil. You got to drop the... Oh, you know, it's just, it's just a nightmare. It just <laughs> keeps on going from there. And uh, so we pulled it out and I was with my lead. And we pulled it out and we looked at everything and we're like, dude, we thought that the mounting O-ring was cut. And what do you know? The mounting O-ring was not cut. Hmm. And we looked at it and we're looking at it and we're like, what the fuck, man? He looks good, right? So he says, let's just change the O-rings and we'll go back in there. Maybe something was kind of funky. So we changed the O-rings. I changed the same O-rings, right? We go back in, Colton. I swear to God, dude, I almost felt like hanging it up. We went all back together. I had the same fucking drip again. Really? And at this point, <laughs> dude, at this point, I'm like, I'm going to get fired. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a fucking piece of shit, dude. I don't know what the fuck is going on here. And, you know, I was really kind of getting down on this machine. And I always tell myself, because I've, I've gotten really depressed working on tractors. And I've gotten really happy working on tractors. And I've found a very sweet spot to, if, if I'm just always happy working on tractors no matter what if she goes sour if you know whatever and i've learned if i just tell my boss exactly what's going on and i don't hide nothing then there's normally nothing to worry about right yeah so i was feeling really shitty about this tractor i told my lead i said man dude this thing's fucking leaking again and he's all no way no way i i seen it i, I seen it with you so when we pulled it out there was a little bit of dirt but i'm pretty sure that the dirt just kind of 
because there's a lot of stuff going on on top of those trans discs. When we yeah. pulled it out, I'm pretty sure a little dirt just fell on it. And my lead's like, maybe that's what it was, dude. Maybe you just had a bunch of dirt on those seals. And, and I found it really hard to believe. But at this point, I want to believe anything, right? I'm like, fuck, <laughs> dude, maybe it is a little bit of dirt. <laughs> so long story short, we pulled it out for the third time, dude. And uh, I'm over here. Everyone's probably like, this guy's a big turd. And it is what it is, right? You know, I just, I had to deal with my mistake and I had to fix it. So we pulled it out for the third time. We're like, something's going on here. Is it the housing? Is it, is, you know, is there, is there something we're missing? So I pulled off those two fucking O-rings, dude. And I'm not going to lie. There was one fat O-ring and there was one skinny O-ring. And the way this works is the one O-ring in the front between the differential and the trans, that one separates your two oils. You you shove this trans diff into the housing, and and the front part of it is your your differential side, and the back part of it is your transmission side. So these guys are always known for transferring fluid, right? Hmm. They're, they're, it's a bad it's a bad problem that they have, yeah. and all that separates them is an O ring. Well, I'm not gonna lie, I thought that this big O ring. The fatter O-ring was my separation O-ring because I was like, dude, they definitely don't want those O-rings to mix, right? Like, like they definitely don't want those fluids to mix. And I'm like, this fat O-ring has to be the one that separates it. And you look in the diagram and it's one of those spec shop component diagrams where it's got like one big picture and there's like fucking part numbers everywhere <laughs> and it's pointing to them. And I was like, dude, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's shown. And I went to my lead and, and he looked and... And I swear on everything, we went and double-checked now, and there was a newer photo showing elaborately exactly which O-ring goes where. So I think you know where I'm going with this. Yes. I had my two O-rings swapped. <laughs> so I had my mounting O-ring. So I'm not going to lie. I was That's another one of my big mistakes. I'm not perfect. I tell everybody I'm not fucking perfect. And... Uh, and I mean, that was my biggest mistake since the last two years working at Holtz, California, but we, we changed our O-rings and shoved it back in and never leaked. And I learned a, a real brutal lesson right there. And anytime I seen a, another technician having one of those working on those, I really went up to them and says, dude, heads up for this O-ring, this O-ring gets swapped and then it will, it will create a small leak and stuff like that. I dealt with that as my literally my very first job, and uh, I worked through it. Um, don't let the tractor win, guys. I went back home, and I was like, man, dude, I'm, I suck. I'm like, I'm a shitty fucking mechanic, and before that, I thought I was good. <laughs> and, um, you know, I learned. I learned the hard way, and, you know, just like today, this morning, I just I just got done working this morning. I started at 4 o'clock this morning. I, I worked from 4 to 11, busted out a quick few hours and um i opened up the shop for a couple guys and you know i had my own job to do so normally on saturdays i do open up the shop and i i, I take care of all the guys and make sure everything's going good on our saturday jobs and then um i was putting on my bucket cylinder today and i was like you know i don't have any pictures all i was told to is just put this cylinder on and i was thinking does my hard tube go on my right side or my left side i was like dude i have it rigged up right now to where my my hard tube's gonna go on the right side. I'm like, this is super easy, just to just to put it right now. And I said, you know what, Q, take the fucking time and go look at the goddamn diagram and see what position it's in. And what do you know? I walked, I walked back to the shop because this was in the back of the yard. We have 
our shop's full all the time. So we're pretty much like shop slash field mechanics. We have to work in the back of the yard all the time. And uh, so what do you know? I double checked it and it was on the other side. So I said, good thing I double checked it because I would have put it all back together and my two would have been on the wrong side. So it's something that I learned always, you know, obviously double check twice and install once. <laughs> it's kind of like the construction construction quote, um, you know, double check your measurements, cut once. But long story short, that's how my whole to California career started. And then uh, from there, just a lot of hard work and showing them that I can get the job done. And about a year and a half into working from Holt to California, they said, hey, we need a lead and we don't have too many options. So unfortunately for them, they didn't have too many options and uh, they know that I love this shit. So they made me a lead. Um, a big part of it is because my attitude, they told me straight up, they said, dude, we could, we could find any mechanics to be leads, but your attitude in the shop is really what makes a big difference around here. So they made me a lead and I've been a lead for going on two years now. And um, that was in the service side. And, Recently, they came and approached me and they said they want a lead for all of our Cal Fire equipment. And um, so they made me a lead for the Cal Fire equipment. And um, after that, they said, you're doing so good on, on this. We want you to come be a lead on the rental department. So it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. I grew up in the service service side. You know, I've always worked on the service side, rebuilds, all that good stuff. But I told them I have to get well-rounded i can't you know i can't be hiding out from all the the new equipment so i came to the rental department where i started learning a lot about the pre-deliveries installing the thumbs um doing a lot more of the warranty work um stuff like that because i've always worked in the service side where customers were paying for their repairs um so i'm learning a whole new ball game and then unfortunately after they made me lead there they said we realize you do these inspections really good and uh, we want you to also be the quality control guy. <laughs> so somehow I've signed myself up for being the quality control guy on top of being the lead in the shop. Um, and I'm on the rental side, which is, it's honestly, it's a lot better than what I thought. As long as I'm working for a good manager, that's cool with me. And I really like my manager right now. I really like my manager who I worked before in the service department. I like my, um, I like the, the manager above them and I like the manager above them too. And that's just not kissing ass. It's just, everybody's pretty cool. If I make a fuck up and I go tell my manager, he's like, dude, no worries. Let's get it coming. How much is it? Where is it at? And let's, you know, let's do it. And, uh, just like the kid, I'm training a kid right now. And, uh, on top of that, I'm, I'm honestly the trainer too. So I train every single new guy that comes in our shop. So I gotta, I gotta, and then we get a lot of military kids. I got a Marine right now. He just came in the shop about two weeks ago. And uh, you know, I always have fun with him. You know, it's, just, it's just a fun job. That's I like to make it a fun job. It could be a very shitty job if you let it, but I like to make it a fun job. So he snapped a couple bolts on this brand new 770 and, you know, it's, and then the next thing I know, I turn around, he's got a big oil spill and, and I'm, and I don't get mad about it. You know, I'm just like, bolt snap, bro. Why did it snap? What, why, why is the reason it's not look let's look at it we looked at it we looked at the depth that it goes into the bolt was longer than the depth that it went into <laughs> so i says look this is i said I, I know that caterpillar sent these bolts to us and i know that they're telling us they go there but for whatever reason these are just literally just a little bit too too long and he's got three snap bolts on top of a 770 you know on top of the uh, it's, a, it's a guard that you put on top of the bed 
And um, I said, dude, I mean, it is what it is. I don't get mad at him. I says, we're going to have to work on it. We're going to have to heat him up. We're going to heat him, heat him, you know, weld a nut, whatever we can. And uh, he's like, dude, in the military, I would have got my ass ripped for this. And, you know, he's, and I said, dude, we're all super cool around here. And my manager came up and he's seen the big old oil spill just made and he started laughing and he's all just get it cleaned up hurry up get it cleaned up within an hour <laughs> so we got it all cleaned up and he's like man this crew is pretty cool and and that's why i like who i work for and where i work you know i can't complain um my manager's cool all my all my workers are great workers and i i really can't complain at all so it's really turning to a great position for me um, I used to really want to be a field guy. I know the best, the best mechanics are the field guys. And, you know, where I grew up in my shop environment at Peterson Cat, um, it was literally only the best of the best mechanics jumped into that field truck. One of my, uh, and, uh, one of my best friends is a field tech at the same, uh, location as you, but he's a fucking lame. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about Montana. Yeah. Mont- yeah, he's, he's one of our Montana. Yeah, he's one of our good field techs we got in the shop. And uh, I mean, going out of our location, um, we got him and a few other guys. So yeah, I've, I've had the pleasure to work with Montana before too. And man, he gets down for sure. And he he rips and tears. And then when it was his calling, he jumped into the field truck, and he's been in there ever since. So that's great for him. And uh, you know that worked out good for him. I always wanted to be a field tech too. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I've, I've worked myself into a, a pretty sweet position. I like what I do. I know what time I'm going to get off. I could come in early and, you know, it's, it's work for me. I pay my bills and, and unfortunately it's, I don't have the same desire as being a field tech as I used to. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that I like being in the shop for. I like training the guys. I like, I like being with the guys. I like making sure we're all safe. I like making sure that, you know, teaching them cool little tricks. And I just like, I like talking to people if you can't tell, you know, I like, I like having fun, bullshitting around and we call each other names and all that good stuff. And I just feel like if I was in the field, I'd be a little bit more lonely out there, which there's nothing wrong with that. But this is just how the cookie crumbled for me. (laughs) And, you know, the cookie crumbles different ways for everybody, right? The field. I would have made a lot more money. The field guys make a lot more money. But where I'm at, what I'm doing with my family, I'm just really happy. You know, I can't complain. Uh, a lot of the days I go in at six, I get off by four. I know what time I'm going to get off. I know I'm going to make it to my boys' baseball games. I know I'm going to make it to my boys' karate, stuff like that. And um, my wife doesn't have to worry about, am I going to be home at 10 o'clock tonight? Then on top of that, Uncle Sam's always he's always getting his too. So <laughs> half the times when I work a lot of OT, it almost doesn't make sense, but you know, it just, it's just part of getting the job done too. Like, you know, sometimes I'm looking at my paychecks and I'm like, dude, I left an extra 10 hours. And all I got was 200 bucks. This, this doesn't even make sense, but <laughs> it's just part of completing the task and just being a good technician, right. And being able to get those machines out the door. And I got to put my name on every machine that leaves our shop. So it's one of those things that's, it's, it's a rough gig, but I like it, and I can't complain, and I'm getting paid good to do it, and uh, I keep my wife at home. She In California, a lot of people think it's not possible, but I'm, I'm working on a heavy equipment technician's pay, and I got a, you know, I got a big two 2,500-square-foot house in Sacramento area. It's got a pool. I mean, it's got everything that I want, 
and I'm able to keep my wife at home underneath a cat dealership technician's wage, which that's that's almost 10 bucks less than our master agreement in the union out here. Hmm. And I know I can go get that 10 bucks if I wanted to. I could become a field tech and go work for a general contractor. And I know I can get the work done, but I'm just happy where I'm at. I don't need all the extra. My wife doesn't need it right now. We're able to get through life, pay the bills. I'm able to spend time with the family and stuff like that. So that's what's important to me. And that's kind of, I know I drug it out there a little while, but that's kind of my career going through the dealership. Um, and I know we touched on a couple other topics going through there that I wanted to touch on. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. And then obviously I still run the Caterpillar wrenching page on top of that, on top of being a father, on top of taking the boys to their baseball games and to karate after work and all this stuff, which, you know, that, that brings me to another point. You know, I'm, I'm super busy. I get so many photos and so many messages and I'm really sorry to anybody that I don't respond to right away. If I forget to respond to you, if I don't post your picture and stuff like that is literally, I want to post every single person's photos. I want to post every story. I just, Sometimes I'm in between life and I'm dealing with, with work. I take my job very seriously. My phone sits down all day. My personal phone, I'm dealing with work stuff. When I'm at work, I'm, I'm dealing with work <laughs> and you don't see a lot of, I mean, and it's kind of funny cause you don't see tons of pictures of me post. Uh, you don't see tons of me uh, posting a bunch of pictures every single day and posting all this stuff all the time. It's because I want to make sure we get our jobs done. I want to make sure that they're done right. I want to make sure it's inspected right. And it's, it's one of those things where you can't be thinking about all the time about Instagram because you got a job to do that's first and most important. And Instagram comes second. If I can get a cool picture and I can post it on my break time and some, or something like that, then I'll do that. Um, but to me, um, my job is very very important it's number one it's how i keep my family running it's how i pay all my bills it's you know it's how i do everything so i would never be one of those guys who's on his phone all the time i don't like guys who being on their phone all the time um i don't really get really mad at my technicians if i catch them being on the phone once in a blue moon but if you're on your phone all the time it's like dude i don't do that I'm not on my phone all the time so you shouldn't be on your phone all the time like dude i got two hundred thousand followers maybe you know, maybe I should be on the phone posting some pictures or something like that, but I am not. I'm actually working, <laughs> putting my head into this tractor. You should too, buddy. So that's, that's one of my, one of my pet peeves. A lot of people are like, Oh man, I bet you you're on the phone all the time at work. Actually, I'm not, I'm actually, and you know, I would hope you, you know, maybe someone would vouch for me and say, that fucking guy is a hard worker and he is like, I barely ever see him on his phone. Unfortunately, because of inspections nowadays, we use a cat inspect app and I have to use my phone for that cat inspect app. But if you see me, see me on my phone during work time, I mean, normally, I'm not going to say I'm perfect. Once a blue moon, I'll bust out that phone and take a badass picture or a badass video. Um, but I'm not spending a lot of time doing it. You know, I just want to get a quick, hey, check this out, guys. You know, we're doing this badass rebuild or something like that so um i definitely i don't like that persona so i always try to push myself away from that persona of being on the phone all the time but 
I love what I do, and it's hard not to bust out that phone once in a blue moon and be proud of you, your your young technician who's just just kicking ass and just installed that engine for the first time or maybe the second time, and he just cut twenty hours off of his second his second install, and you know, just that's that's what it's all about to me. That's what it's all about. So I like to promote the guys. And, you know, my technicians, I like to give them some credit and stuff like that. So that's what I like to do um, with the with the Instagram page, incorporating that incorporating that into work, but then not not incorporating too much of that Instagram into work. You know, there's there's a sweet spot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I actually have a question for you on, in regards to the Caterpillar wrenching page. I know you had started a uh, John Deere wrenching page as well, but uh, have you kind of just kind of put that to the weight waste? wayside or you still kind of messing with that or what yeah you know what dude i man i got so many plans like literally my head is always turning um i might as well let you guys know right now um my wife's kind of piece but i recently bought a a a website and a url and Hmm. i'm working on it i got some really big things coming up and it's called Hmm. wrenching.com so yeah, so you guys can go check it out. There's nothing really big on it, but I have some huge plans for the future, and I really want to do a lot of cool things with that page, and I'm going to incorporate a lot of stuff like that into that page in the future. Um, so I, there's tons of ideas that I have, but the John Deere Wrenching is going to be a part of that page. I've created five Instagram pages, Military Wrenching, John Deere Wrenching, or Deer Wrenching, um industrial wrenching i got cummins wrenching caterpillar wrenching so long story short the website is just going to be nothing but wrenching okay and in the long run yep in the long run what i want to do it i don't want to just it be for caterpillar wrenching i want to i wanted to do man i mean where do i want it to end i want to do giveaways on there i want to i want to do i want to promote positions job positions where i work with companies and they could let me know which positions are open that way experienced technicians can go on my page and they can find job openings from all around the world that are paying better um a long story i mean long story short like i kind of told you in the beginning i started this caterpillar wrenching page to show my family and friends about what we do but a big part of it was i felt i didn't me and my coworkers, I felt like we didn't get paid enough for what we did. And um, what I would like to do with my page and the wrenching.com is pretty much get skilled mechanics paid more. So if you feel like you're a skilled mechanic and you're not getting paid well, I want wrenching.com to be the place that you come to and you find yourself a job opportunity in Florida if that's where you want to move or you find yourself a job opportunity in Sacramento that's paying $10 more because there's companies out there that understand that you're worth $10 more because you could be working for a company and that company just take you for granted and not realize the type of worker you are is actually producing more income for them, but they don't a lot of them just don't realize that because they never get out of their office to see. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to create a world where us heavy equipment technicians or boat technicians or, you know, um, generator technicians where we get paid the most. And that brings me to a point to where, yeah, my electrical buddy who's, you know, who works in the Bay area, he gets paid $65 an hour. 
And it's like, dude, you barely have to do anything for $65 an hour. Tractor jumping up and down. I have to know electrical. I have to know hydraulics. I have to know machine systems. I have to know AC. I have to know how the fucking system works. You know, it's like, dude, there's so much into this. I have to buy $100,000 in tools. And I started, I kind of, I stopped and stood around, you know, and in, in the beginning of my career, I said, why do we get paid less than everybody else out there in the unions? The operating engineers get paid less than the plumbers. They get paid less than electricians. They get paid less than the steam fitters. Like, dude, no offense to them, but like, if you're just a, a, a pipe fitter or you're doing sprinkler systems, dude, you're threading rod all day. You're putting it up in the air. You're, you're hooking it up to the hangers and you're doing your thing. But it's the same thing all the time, dude. It's like, you don't need as many skills as you need to be a heavy equipment technician. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, Colton, that's, that's why we have a lack of technicians in this industry. It's too fucking hard, bro. <laughs> and on, and on, on top of that, it's too hard. They just don't last. And on top of that, um, you know, the machine systems, the AC, the hydraulics, the electronics, you just have to be a fucking badass and get out there. And sometimes you just have to make shit work. And it's like, dude, you got to remove a bucket cylinder, but you don't have the proper tooling to remove the bucket cylinder, but you, you got to get it done, you know? So it's like, you got to use come along. It's like, dude, if you ever asked an electrician how to remove a bucket cylinder, no, but, you know, I will be having to do electrical troubleshooting later on that day. So it's almost like I'm doing the same trade as them, but I got eight other trades lined up that I have to do later on that day. And, you know, you get greasy. You get oily and a lot of these other these other jobs you're not getting dirty like that and you know it's just so long story short i feel there's a huge opportunity for mechanics to get paid a lot more slash technicians right to get paid a lot more than what they're currently getting paid yeah and i feel and i feel if i can get out there and i could show everybody that we're worth more money then guess what they're not going to find quality mechanics at different places for that cheap amount anymore. And then long story short, dude, I got a huge game plan to bring up heavy equipment mechanics pay all around the world. It's like, dude, if you're working at the CAD dealership in Florida and you have a general contractor, obviously, well, if you don't like where you're working, right? If you're happy where you're working, just like I'm happy where I'm working, I can go get paid more. And, you know, but some people really need that extra 10 bucks or they need that extra five bucks or two bucks, right? Mm. They have to pay the bills. Well, if there's a great opportunity out there and your dealership or your general contractor or your boss doesn't realize how much you're worth, then you could just be like, hey, dude, this company down the street's paying 10 bucks more. And if we can all do that and come together as a community, like, you know, the Caterpillar community, then guess what? We're all going to come together and make more money. So that's, I mean, that's, that's just a little a twinkle in my eye right there. <laughs> That in the future, I want to get us all paid more money. I feel like we deserve it. How many electricians do you know that can hang and 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 put their knees on tracks or put their install belly pans, dude? I mean, how many guys do you think you do it? And that brings me to another point too. It's like we're badass, dude. We're we're some of the most badass men out there. How many motherfuckers could do this shit? There's not too many, dude. And guess what? They fall off like flies. I've been watching them fall off like flies for years, dude. So that's kind of not with that. And you know, I, I got a little man complex, dude. I'm I'm literally I'm, I'm a little short fat guy. 
I, I love working on this big equipment. I love doing stuff that other guys can't do. It's like I've watched these big guys come and go. I've watched you guys come and go. A lot of them say, oh, I'm leaving for a better job. No, you're not, buddy. You're leaving because you couldn't hack it, brother. <laughs> you know, so it's, <laughs> I see it all the time. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get paid more. And I'm thinking in my head, how's that guy going to get paid more? He wasn't even hacking it here. So it happens. Um, and, you know, this, this trade is very, very demanding. It's very like, I mean, there's just, it's nonstop. I'm, I'm sure, you know, Colton, you know, mm-hmm. we can literally talk all day about the different things that we deal with that no, nobody else has to deal with plumbers, electricians. I mean, none of these guys have to deal with this stuff, you know? So, and on top of that, now we have um, technology and that, that fucks everything up because just when you thought that you had something good going now, there's a new way of doing it. We got a new technical way of doing it. And so it just, you know, it just keeps coming out every day and you got to keep learning that stuff. And there's just no, no end in sight for a heavy equipment technician. So that's why I feel like we deserve more money. And that's why a lot of companies see these technicians just fall off. It's sometimes it's just nothing, but it's just hard work. And the tractor won. The tractor won, and they're done. And now they, you know, they're going to go become a plumber for the same price. And he doesn't need a hundred thousand dollars in tools. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at with that. I'm very passionate about that. I really want to use that website in the future to create job opportunities for for people who maybe aren't getting them. Yeah, definitely. So I. Uh, so one of the topics you kind of wanted to talk about was like trade schools and starting from the bottom going back. Do you wish you would have went to like a Caterpillar training school or are you happy with the way you went about it? You know what? I definitely wish that I had somebody there just, you know, guys reach out to me all the time. Hey, you know, what would you do to start from the bottom? What would you do to get in? Start from the bottom. You know, either think big if you can get in a think big. Not everybody can get in think big. Or you start as a sweeper, man. Just start as a sweeper. Start from the very bottom and then work your way up. Um, like I said, I went to Wildtech. And that was about $35,000 that I wasted. Um, I went to Wildtech for HVAC, believe it or not. Um, I didn't actually go for being a mechanic. It's kind of funny because just right out of high school, my thought process was mechanics didn't make very much money and HVAC guys made more. And I think that, I think (laughs) that's the, Oh, go, I'm sorry. I I was just saying, I I think that's kind of the, the mentality now as kids think, Oh, you're a mechanic. You don't make crap, but yeah. Uh, you can make a lot of money being a heavy equipment mechanic. Oh, hell yeah. And, but you know, back in those days I was just coming out of high school pretty much mom, leave me alone. I'm not going to college, but I'm going to trade school now. I'd be happy. And, uh, that, that being happy cost me about 35 grand and I never did nothing with it. And I'll be honest. I wish I never did that. I wish I get, I get these young kids right now and they're in the think big program. They're 18, dude, they're 19 and I'm getting them up and going and they're, they're fucking installing engines and they're doing this. And I'm like, man, I wish I did this when I was your guys' age, but Hey, we all choose our own paths and that's the path that I chose. And, cost me a little bit of extra money but you know if i would i learned and if i could tell a young guy hey just get in there dude and work hard from the bottom 
And, but if you can't push a broom, don't even try, you know, don't, don't go to the shop and push a broom. Like, you know, you're getting paid by the hour. No, dude, you need to go into that shop and work hard and prove to everybody that you could push a broom, prove to them that you could throw away the trash. Don't be a lazy fuck throwing away the trash. You know, don't, don't take two hours to do an hour job. If you do that, then they're never going to want you as a mechanic, you know? So you got to go in there. You got to work hard from the beginning and you got to start talking to your mechanics. Hey man, what can I do? What can I do to get started right now? Like I'm not a mechanic yet, but I want to be a mechanic. Can you show me the way? And that's, I, I love that shit, dude. I love when a guy will come up to me. Most of the time I'll fucking beat them to it. I'll say, Hey, you want to become a mechanic? I'll say, yeah, dude. I just, you know, I'm the utility guy. And I'll say, well, get, come talk to me. We'll, we'll get you all set up. We'll start sending you with homework every day. So I, that's, that's something that I like to do. Or I like to get those guys up and running and like to get their mind going. I said, what type of oil do we use for the 10 way? I mean, what type of oil do we use for hydraulic? What type of oil do we use for engine? And it gets their mind thinking, right? I got a, I got a utility person that just turned into a mechanic right now. He's been a mechanic for a month and a half. Um, I got a, a military Marine that I, he's just been in our shop for two months or two weeks. Um, I got another guy who just came from John Deere. He's been in our shop for two, two months. So each one of these guys I've trained when they come, they've come in. I've almost trained almost all of our technicians that we have in the shop. We have a high turnover rate, unfortunately. Um, so I've almost trained every technician that we have in our shop hmm. with, you know, as for their first month, getting them going on our service link, showing them how to use sis, just teaching them what it's like to be a dealership quality mechanic and that's a lot different than a normal mechanic we get a lot of these guys off the streets or normal mechanics but next thing i know i turn around they're fucking cross-threading bolts they got fucking crazy oil spills they don't even know what a metric and a standard bolt is i'm like whoa let's just go back to the basics here buddy so we, i do a lot of that and then i really i love training the guys dude i love it um I could go become an office guy. I can go become a salesman. I can go do that. They always ask me, our, you know, our top salesman guys, like, Q, you know, you interested in being a salesman one day? I'm like, nope. I'm like, I love what I'm doing. I'm going to fucking work my body down to the ground until I can't work it no more. And then I'll become a fucking salesman. Then I'll become the GM. Then I'll fucking run the show. But as for right now, I feel like I'm worth more training the technicians, giving us, you know, that's that. This, this is where we make our money at the bottom. The, the technicians are, are, are making the money for the company. Yeah. So I love, I love being able to train those guys, get them up and going. Holt to California does a great job of hiring veterans. We got probably about six or seven veterans in our shop, young veterans, young kids, just getting out of the military, 22 years old. I, the one that I'm training right now worked on F-18s before. So it's oh, just wow. it's awesome, dude. This kid's, yeah. And normally I take that with the grain of salt. I'm like, oh, you used to work on F-18s in the military. I don't like, show me pictures. And my father came back with a bunch of pictures, dude. I was like, oh, shit, you ain't playing, dude. And he was right next to the engines and the planes and all that stuff. And I'm like, that's fucking badass. So stuff like that, you know, kind of made me want to start that um, military wrenching page. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the future, I'm going to try to, I'm going to work harder um, to try to bring all these pages together and create some time so I can actually make these pages work. And I'll spend, man, there's so much, I, so much I want to do. I just, I got a full-time job. I'm a lead in the shop. I take that shit very seriously. I'm a father. I take that seriously. And I'm a husband and I take that very seriously. So those are my main things. Um, if I could slip in some extra time to get on the phone and do some stuff, I will. 
But, you know, everybody knows how it is. You get home, you jump on your phone, and the wife's all, what the hell are you doing on your phone? You've been going all day. Oh, okay, babe, I'm sorry. (laughs) I've gotten into a good system over the years is normally I'll just post during the day. And then when I come home, a lot of times you won't see me commenting or, you know, replying to a lot of people because I make my posts. I don't have the time to sit there and reply all the time because I'm, I'm, I'm working with my texts. I'm, 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 you know, I'm dealing with my family. I'm taking my boys out and stuff like that. So, um, I don't have a lot of the time to respond. I know to some people I might feel, I might seem like an asshole. Maybe you send me a photo and maybe I've never posted it, but I, I can almost guarantee you I probably have that photo saved in my phone. I just, I get, I get sidetracked doing so many things. I'm so busy. I probably forgot. I probably, you know, just, you know, told myself I'm going to post that in the morning and just never did. So, you know, if you guys, if you guys have something you guys sent to me and I never posted it, send it again, send that shit three times and, you know, send me, send me a message, say, Q, you're an asshole, man. I've been trying to, I've been trying to send you this photo for days and maybe that'll catch my attention. Um, but right now, yeah, yeah, guys, I'm sorry about that. But right now, I'm in the middle of uh, my American Pride Month. Um, I wanted to do something a little different, and um, I've been wanting to do this honestly for the last two years. And this year, I did it. I'm losing a lot of followers. Um, I'm not getting a lot of likes, but you know what? That's fine with me. If you have a problem with American Pride Month, then unfollow Caterpillar Wrench and please, okay. I'm all about America. I'm very conservative. I've gotten very conservative these last few years after the fucking China virus. I can't take it no more. Me and my wife have done a lot of research. I tell you what it is. It's the China virus, my man. I mean, it's been proven if you do your research, it came out of the coronavirus lab in China. I mean, that's where it came from. It's a it's a made-up virus. And long story short, you know... It brings me to another. It's, it's, it's just, this one's very tough for me. In 2020, um, we found out that my wife had breast cancer, and we found out that in the very beginning of January. So I'm sure you guys know kind of how 2020 turned out. That ended up being our COVID year, and um, so as my wife was going to radiation, they you know they took care of everything. She got a surgery. They cut it out of her, and then they went to she went to radiation every day. And I took I actually took four months off of work. And I'll be the first one to tell anybody: don't question it. If work is everything for you, but family comes up, family is more important. So take the time, deal with your family, talk to your boss, tell him, hey, I might need to take a few months off. We got some serious stuff going on, so. I took about four months off at Peterson um, that year, and I took my wife to radiation every day. I had my my two boys in the back of the car with me, and then right in between, they said, hey, some virus is out, you know, so so she started having a little mask while she was going to radiation, and, you know, long story short, we started doing a lot of research, and all I could tell anybody is, Don't believe what's going on that you see in the news every day. Do your own research. Find out what's really going on. We are in a beautiful country, a great country, and honestly, it's being destroyed right now. So do your research. Do what you can for this country. If it takes 10 minutes of your day, do what you can. We are all very blessed to live in the United States, and some of us don't realize that. And I'll be honest, in the Bay Area... 
that was a lot more often that people didn't realize how blessed we are to be in such a great country. So in Sacramento, it's a little bit blue out here. Um, but California period, a lot of people in California just don't realize how lucky we are to have what we have. Um, so I'll stop there without getting too political. <laughs> Thank you. Like I said, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go down that route, but if you ever get the political podcast going, you better get me on there because I will be your first Democrat turned into Republican that you had on there. And let me tell you, I feel stronger about it than most people. So it's something that's very serious to us. Um, my kids, we, we teach them the Constitution. We teach them all of the amendments. They're very smart about that stuff. And I feel like you guys should too. So if you, if you guys don't, if your kids don't know about the Constitution and about all of the amendments that we have, take some time. That's one of the best fucking books we have in America. Read that shit learn that shit and then you will realize that we're being taken advantage of right now the people so i'll stop right there we'll keep going on the caterpillar mansion but <laughs> please guys do your research figure out what's going on i mean there's so much going on out there it's it's a lot i know it's it's a lot to take in it's a lot to learn what's going on i didn't know what the house was i didn't know what the senate was i didn't know none of that shit and in the Bay Area, nobody knows none of that shit, but they all vote one way. Mm. So do your research, learn about it, learn about what bills are being passed, what bills aren't being passed, and learn about who your senator is in your location and do what you can to make your country better. So I'll leave it right there. Um, we're just uh, we're going to call this the solo podcast with caterpillar wrenching today. <laughs> <laughs> I am so sorry, Colton. Dude, I know I've been going off today. I just I think I, you I need to, you know what? I think this is just a therapy session for you to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Hey, buddy. hey, my wife is tired of hearing about caterpillar tractors, so you're going to talk to somebody about it. You guys are the ones. Let's uh <laughs> let's talk about some subjects here or some topics. I mean, uh, you've got quite a few good ones, man. And uh, one one thing that I sticks out to me on your questionnaire and it makes me laugh is I I'm, I'm assuming when you first started you didn't know what a pulley was. What? Yeah, uh, that brings that, that brings me to a good story there, Colton. <laughs> like I said, I wasn't I wasn't mechanically inclined at all. So you, you could take this two ways. You could say that guy's an idiot or you could say, man, there's an opportunity for me out there. Um, so I had a, I, I ended up working myself into the tool room and I learned how all the pieces work. I learned, I learned how to go up on sis, how to read, um, what type of tooling that the technicians would need for their job. I got to the point to where they would just say, Hey Q, you know, I got a serial number KPZ on this D8. I'm going to be removing the equalizer bar. Well, I got really good with all that stuff, and I found the tooling. I would put it on the cart. I would roll it out to the technician so he could keep on working, so he didn't have to walk back and forth to the tool room all the time. Um, so once I got really good at my normal job in the tool room, then I started taking on more jobs. And my foreman says, dude, I'm tired of paying Holt to California to come service our forklifts. He says, dude, we're Peterson Cat, and we're having our competitor, Holt to California, come over and service our forklifts because Peterson Cat doesn't have a lift truck division. And uh, he says, I want you to take this on, Q. And I says, no problem there, boss. I says, I will start servicing all of our forklifts so that way we don't have to use our competitor. Hmm. Um, but long story short, I was doing hella good. I was doing really good. He showed me with a grease on. 
And he showed me where to check the holes at. He showed me all of that good stuff, right? How to check the mask, check the bolts, make sure they're tight, all that good stuff. Well, after maybe about six months in the pool room, six months starting to get our sheet, he says, hey, we need to make a repair in this forklift. And this is my foreman. I said, okay. He said, check this out. He says, the belt's riding, riding low in the pulley. He says, order a new pulley. And I said, all right, no problem there, boss. So at this point, I was a touring guy. I kept POs myself. So I contacted the, the guy from Holtz, California. I had a really good relationship with him. Honestly, he was super cool, dude. <laughs> and I said, hey, man, I need this. I need this pulley. Uh, it's a belt, right? I said, I need this. Send it to me, this and that. So when my foreman said the, the, it's riding hella low, or I think what he said specifically says, look, the belt's riding hella low. Let's order a pulley. And so I ordered a belt and I was learning. I was just getting started learning everything in this trade. And I was just, I just wanted to suck everything up. So I was like, okay, he called that belt a pulley. <laughs> so long story short, dude, forklifts down. Everybody knows forklifts go down. It's like fucking two weeks to get parts for forklifts. It's always forever to get your forklifts up and running. I think it's just because you always need it. And you're like, God damn it. This forklift's never running. So, after two weeks, my foreman had about had it. He's like, God damn it, Q, where's the parts for this forklift? And I was like, oh, boss, I think they just came in today. So I went and grabbed the, grabbed the box that I got from Holt, right? And he's down in there. And he's all, he's all, he's all, give me the pulley. And I opened up the box and I give him the belt, right? <laughs> he's all, damn, dude, he's all fucking good shit, bro. He's all, you ordered a new belt, too? He's all, all right, give me the pulley. And I gave him one of those, oh, fuck, dude. I looked in the box and I knew there was nothing in the box. And I looked in there and I looked back at him. I was like. Uh, I thought that you were calling this belt a pulley. I thought that was just a nickname for it. <laughs> and he fucking lost it, dude. He fucking lost it on me. He's old school, man. He's all, you fucking idiot. He's all, you're fucking never going to make it as a mechanic. And I was thinking, God, man, I'm, I I probably wouldn't never make it as a mechanic. This is horrible. I feel like a big piece of shit, right? <laughs> so long story short, I told myself, I'm like, cute. So how, how did you? Fuck, man, how did that happen? So I went to I went to my engine shop uh, lead, and I says, hey, man, I am very green, and I need to learn more. I'm like, my foreman over there just told me that I'm never going to be a mechanic. And I'm like, it's just, I just don't know the names of a lot of things. I just want to learn them. He's all, dude, come on over. He's all, he's all I, start at, I start at 530. He's all, come from 530 to 730, and you could come learn. And then once it hits 7.30, you can just you can start, just start your day. Hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I went there and I learned on my own time um, for a couple of months just to, just to get familiar with everything, right? I felt like an idiot at this point. And I'm like, you know, maybe I won't be a mechanic, but I'm going to give myself my best opportunity to become a mechanic. So I went every morning, 6 o'clock. I'm like, what is that? He's all piston, piston rings. We got this, we got that. And you know what? I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I did not know a lot about a lot of this stuff. And I'm learning. And I wanted to soak it all up like a sponge. So I learned it every day, little by little, little by little. And slowly, my foreman started talking to me again. He was pretty fucking mad about that. After I mean, after I ordered a pulley, we ended up installing the pulley and stuff. But you know how it is. He was telling all the other foremen in the shop, yeah, the forklift is going to be up and running and this and that. And then next thing you know, the fucking idiot tool room guy ordered the wrong part. And now that idiot tool room guy is fucking just a big piece of shit. So 
that's kind of that's kind of how that works. But I learned, and I proved to everybody that I learned. And after I learned, they seen that I was coming in every single day early, spending my own time to learn. I wasn't asking them to pay me fucking by the hour to learn. I wasn't working, but I was just sitting there learning how he installed engines, how he put stuff together. Um, went and talked to the the hydraulic cylinder guy in the mornings, and talked to the pump guy and the transmission guys and all that stuff. So. Um, long story short, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I learned how how to look up systems operation. That's a huge one. Just learning up how the systems work, and uh, from there, I kind of just took off with it. You know, obviously later on, they asked me to become a mechanic, and uh, it all worked out. But that was a pretty rough stage in my life. You know, I really, really wanted to do that, but I already felt like you know I wasn't good enough to be a mechanic. <laughs> And then that kind of just proved it that I wasn't good enough to be a mechanic. So I just told myself, dude, if this is what you want to fucking do, then spend the extra time, you know, tell your wife you're going in on overtime and then just go in early. Right. <laughs> so because, you know, at first she was like, why are you going in so early? Oh, yeah, they're paying me overtime. Why do you paychecks less? Well, you know, honestly, it was just a little bit of learning. You know, so that, that was a fun that was a fun curve. So. We got through that, and uh, that's my pulley story. So, I mean, the long story out of that is even if you're 22, 23 years old, it's not too late to become a mechanic. Yeah. You could still learn. It's going to be a rough path. And if this shit's not like, if it doesn't just come to you, it's not going to be easy. Now, I see both. I see young kids where this shit just comes to them. They're really good. They mechanically think it might be because of when they were younger, their father, um, you know, got them going into the trade or, you know, might've got their head thinking a little bit more, but like I've kind of explained, you know, my, my path as a teenager and a young adult was a little bit different. Um, that's not what I focused on. And, uh, I learned the hard way. So I will tell everybody, if you're a young kid and you're interested in getting in this trade, don't wait. I mean, if you're 18 years old, let's do it. Get you in there. I got 18-year-olds right now who fucking kick ass. And they're harder workers than some of the older guys that I have, some of the journeymen. So um, there's there's literally tons of opportunities to always do what you want. You just have to be willing to stick it out, maybe spend some of your own time and dedicate um, – dedicate your time and your effort to doing what you want to do and then you can get it going. Yeah. You can make it happen. Definitely. Definitely. So we're kind of going to go on against the rules here of the podcast. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, I sometimes don't like talking tools cause it's the same old thing, but I know you have a couple of good <laughs> things to, about tools or shop tooling or anything like that. Uh, I, I know you want to talk about a couple things. You want to take it? You bet I do. So tooling, yeah, tooling. I mean, tooling is a whole nother animal. Once you figure out that this trade is what you want and, you know, this is what you're going to do, then you got to deal with the tooling side of it. And normally wives do not like the tooling side of it if you already got a wife. And for me, it was really hard. I wasn't a young kid. I wasn't single when I first started. Those young single kids, dude, like like I've heard on this podcast many times, they go buy the Snap-on, they go buy all that good shit, right? I didn't have the opportunity. Else I probably would have been, you know, not very smart neither, and I would have did it just like them. Um, but I was already, a, you know, I was already a father. I already had a family. 
Um, my wife hasn't worked for the last five years, so you know I've always been supporting her. Um, before that, she worked at college. Oops, name drop. So that helped out a little bit, but after our first child, I said just stay at home. I think I can. I think I can take care of the bills. We gave it a shot, and I've been able to take care of them the whole time. Um, so that being being kind of held down by having a family, you can't go buy a $5,000 snap-on toolbox. You can't go buy that, that you can't run your tool bill up to fucking $3,000 and just be like, yeah, I'm going to pay 50 bucks a week because let me tell you, your, your wife will get tired of that 50, 50 bucks a week real quick. If you, if, if you're married. <laughs> so I deal with that currently, right? I deal with that currently right now, $50 every week. And it's never it doesn't change but the wife still hits me up text me really another 50 fucking dollars she's like god damn i feel like this shit's been going on for years and you know what it has but you know to all of you guys out there there's one good thing that i could give you is is this bill <laughs> this is what you tell your wife you said this bill is the only bill that helps us pay for the other bills all your other bills you got that's just a cost to us. But this bill right here gives me tools in my hands so I can pay for those bills. I heard it from an old tech one time, and I I have never stopped saying that to my wife ever since. Hopefully she doesn't, um, but listen, yeah, to well, the, hopefully she doesn't listen to the podcast because she's going to know your secrets now. <laughs> oh, yeah. she. I, I talked to her a second ago, too. She's all... So like, don't talk about me in the podcast. I said, huh? I got to talk about you. You're like, you're the only person I know. And I talk to you every day. So I'm going to talk about you. <laughs> Plus I love her very much. man. That's my high school sweetheart. We've been together since 2008. So, wow. um, very nice. she's my high school sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, she's my high school sweetheart. We went to school in Fremont, California and, uh, we graduated in 2008 together and she's been with me ever since ever since through the thick and through the thin nice. so i love her very much and you know we, we get along very well and we've both recently become very conservative and we we uh we take a lot of pride in that and we 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 really that's that's a big part of our life nowadays so that we, we do um watch a lot of stuff together a lot of stuff together like that and we learn a lot of stuff together so Long story short, I have to go on that path, but I love her very much. She's my high school sweetheart, but she does not like my tool bills. I tell you that. <laughs> Every week, she, she fucking hates them, and I gotta hear, I gotta hear it in the text message, and right when I get home, I gotta hear about it, too. So, <laughs> what I would tell everybody, even though I do have a tool bill right now, um, I started out with a a cheap Harbor Freight box, a Harbor Freight roll cart. Then I went from a Harbor Freight roll cart to I bought... Um, and I, I really, I would tell everybody, go on Craigslist, go on fake Facebook Marketplace, find those old technicians who are willing to sell those tools that they've been using for years and they're willing to sell that whole toolbox because I had a journeyman who liked me and he retired and he sold me his whole toolbox with all the tools in it for 1700 bucks, man. Wow. And yes, and I like... I didn't have no idea. And he was already, he, he, he retired as a technician. He was a loop service dispatcher. Hmm. And he kept telling me, Hey, come to my house, man. Check out this toolbox. I got you. You're a hardworking guy, young kid. I think this toolbox would be great for you. He's like, it's got tools in it and everything. And I kept telling him like, dude, I don't have 1700 bucks, man. I'm like, I lived paycheck to paycheck and I was paying for rent. Rent was 2,500 bucks. And I was just like, I don't have it. And he says, look here, Q. It's like, I like you a lot. He said, I'm moving to Palm Springs. Come check out this box. If you like this box, 
you take it and you send me the money in Palm Springs. And I will never forget, he told me his address. I was pulled up to his house and he had a, a beautiful home, man. He must, I mean, he's been wrenching ever since he was younger. He had a beautiful home, three car garage. He opened up that third car garage and this old red toolbox. It's, it's called M, MBC, right? People tell me that it was the original Mac company, but I'm not sure. And it was an old red toolbox, you know, it just looks like all the old snap on ones. And I started opening up the drawers and he had nothing but Mac and snap on in there. And I like two of those wrench sets were worth 1700 bucks. Wow. He had literally fucking seven sixteenths all the way up to inch and a half Mac wrenches. And he had three quarter impact plastic, fantastic. I he had like all these cool uh, specialty wrenches that he's, that he's burned and heated and bent them, bent them, directions and like let me tell you it was so awesome man he really hooked me up and i seen all that stuff and i says dude i would love to take this toolbox off your hands <laughs> and what do you know like he said you know what q i trust you very much i really want to see you do good in your career and i really thank him a lot his name was steve he was a uh boob service um dispatcher when when i was just becoming a technician and, you know, I, I can't thank that guy enough. He really set me on a great path for my career. And I hope to one day to help out another young technician. And I will fucking wholesale my tools to his ass for a great deal. If I see it in his eyes and he's going to be a great technician, I will hook him up just because somebody hooked me up in that path. That's, so That's well, amazing, dude. Like $1,700 for a whole set of tools. Like that blows my mind. Dude, like, I'm going to go on my Caterpillar wrenching page and I'll try to take a video of all the stuff he left me. It's, it is fucking amazing. I mean, pry bars, everything, dude. It was, the box, honestly, is probably at least a thousand bucks. And he had, like, he was, he was a heavy equipment tech, so he had welded this little bracket on the back for his creeper. He cut out all these holes for his pry bars. I mean, he, he built a base on the bottom of it and then welded caster, casters to the bottom of it, you know, like retrofitted it mm. so he could take the shop floor. I mean, he he did this 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 box up. So long story short, I, I didn't have a lot of money still. I didn't have no money to give to him when I picked up the toolbox. It was embarrassing. But he was totally cool with it. Um, he moved two weeks later. He moved to Palm Springs. Yeah, and he says, send me the money. And I said, you know what? I called him up. I said, hey, dude, I got 800 bucks right now. I'm really trying to get the 1700, but I would love just to send this to you. And he says, you know what? Send me two payments, dude. Nice. So we did it in two payments. Um, literally, that guy set me off on my career. If I had to go buy a lot of that stuff, I might not have been a technician today. Yeah. Because like I said, my we didn't have the money for it. My wife was a stay-at-home wife. And I might've gotten myself into a lot, you know, like <laughs> at this point, you know, she was staying at home, but my bills, I think I was a scheduled service technician and, uh, I was making a lot of, I was making good money because I was working a lot of hours, but I wasn't getting the mechanic pay. I was still on the lower, the lower pay scale. So after I was able to finally get enough money, I sent it to him. I sent him an awesome card. Thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate you, you know, this and that. And, you know, I hopefully one day, you know, maybe I can get in contact with him again. I don't think I have his num have his number anymore. I'm just tell him thank you so much, man. I really, I really should. Just after even saying all this stuff today, I, I need to get back in contact with him. And say, <laughs> hey, dude, 
fucking six years later, look at me now, dude. This this, this is a big part of uh, uh, thanks to you. So yeah, dude, I w- you should try. Like, uh, shout out to that guy if he's ever listening. Like, that's that's amazing. You know, we need a lot more people like that. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I, you know, I told myself when I when I'm ready for that time. I'm going to find that young, hardworking kid and I'm going to hook him up and hopefully help him out for his whole career. Cause that would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. So let's, uh, step away from work a little bit. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it before recording, you know, you got a little bit of a deal with your boys. Um, you know, cause obviously we all work, work a lot of hours and if we're not working at, at work, we're working at home. So you know, time with the kids is kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. So you got a little deal with your kids, right? Yeah, I do actually. Um, it's, it's definitely something that's been working out for us the past few years. Um, dealing with moving into a new house, moving into a new neighborhood, getting into a new job. It's, it's very time consuming. Everything's time consuming. Um, so I was starting to realize when we first moved out here to Sacramento that a lot of my time, you know, I had, I had chores, I had chores at work and I had stuff at work to do. I come home, my wife's got a list of chores for me to do on top of that. I got my own chores that I want to do. You know, maybe I wanted to, to clean up the garage a little bit or, you know, do an oil change. So I, I'm, I found myself very, very busy, especially I got an Instagram account that I like to run. You know, that's, that's something that I like to do too. And unfortunately that normally takes the hit first before anything, you know, if, if I need to do stuff, the the Instagram account will be the first thing cut off that day. And then I'll focus on family. Um, but what I was realizing is my boys weren't getting enough attention from their father as they should. And I know a lot of us as technicians working a lot of hours, trying to get that Saturday, you know, trying to work Saturday. Sometimes we'll fall into the, the group of, you know, I'm a guy, I'm a father, you know, I, I, I'm doing my job. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm paying the bills. I'm doing this. But then sometimes you have to take a step back and say, what have I done for the kids lately? Um, and I was starting to realize that the kids were getting put to the side a lot for stuff that I thought that was more important, like work, stuff for the house. A lot of the times your wife needs a lot of the attention. You know, you, you got to show her some love make sure that she knows that she's number one. Um, but the boys were taking the hit. So, and I got two young boys. I got a six-year-old and I got a nine-year-old. And um, they're at the age where they're they're ready to party. They want to have fun. When dad gets home, I, I literally open up the door. They come running to me every day. They've been doing it for years. They still do it. Dad, you're home. And, <laughs> you know, then, then I'm like, man, I got to go clean the pool or I got to go do this or our grass or sprinkler is not working. And I'm like, man, I felt like a big piece of shit for a little while. And I told myself, there's something that I need to do. So what I've created was a daddy day for my boys. So we picked a day. Um, our day is Wednesday because it's kind of in the middle of the week. And we do a three strike rule. So each boy gets three strikes. If they three strikes, they're out. Um, they don't get to go on daddy day. And, and if they three strike out and the other one does good, then I make sure that it's a really good daddy day that the other one misses out because I'm trying to teach them that they need to be good all the time. Yeah. So I'll do stuff. I'll do stuff like, um, 
you know, and I and I don't have a lot of extra money between after paying the bills, paying all everything, paying gas to get to work, paying for my tool bill. I don't have a lot. So what I would do, I would start to put a little bit of cash to the side that the wife didn't know about. And me and the boys would go out for an ice cream or we'd go out to the batting cages or we'd go to the local golf land. And I just want to start dedicating one day a week towards them. So something they always have to look forward to. So it started becoming, we're going on three years now. And it started becoming just a really cool thing. And if I didn't have money, I would just say, you know what, let's just play games today, guys. And I'm not really a big gamer, but you know, I would suck it up and, and play the games with them for that day or let's play catch or, you know, let's do this, let's do that, let's go out for an ice cream and just pretty much showing them that I'm spending the time on them and, and, and showing them that I love them very much. And I would explain to them, hey, guys, when I'm on daddy day, I'm sorry that we don't get to do this every day. You know, mom and dad are fixing up the house right now or dad needs needs the extra hours from work right now he has to go to work on saturdays and stuff like that and they would understand they would say dad you know this is awesome the daddy day is awesome and 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 i really really want to push it to anybody out there if you find yourselves donating a lot of time to work to, to chores and stuff but keep in mind those little kiddos need some extra time too and uh if you could spend the extra time and I would love to be the one to, you know, to start this idea in your head and let's create that daddy day for the kids or let's create one day for the kids or let's create, you know, something that we're going to do and then just make sure that you spend, a, even if it's just a few hours a week, what I was noticing that I wasn't even getting that few hours a week with my boys um, between the work and the chores and the, you know, doing all the other stuff. And so I felt, I felt really good about getting this done when we first started and it's just from there it's just become a great thing every week we use it to our advantage we hold those kids hostage we say hey dude you keep it up you're gonna get your last strike you're not gonna go on daddy day and normally that fixes things sometimes it doesn't and then if it doesn't then what i do is i make sure i take the other one on a cool daddy day and I take and the other and then the one who didn't get to go thinks about it twice. And he says, man, you know, hopefully in his head, he's thinking maybe I should be better for next daddy day. It doesn't always work out like that. I'm not going to sell you sell you some dreams here. <laughs> um, sometimes those little suckers still keep they, 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 they keep acting bad. But it is another tool that we could put in our pocket to try to help our children, you know, act better all week and then you know we can take them out on the wednesday and, and not only that it make it made my wednesdays fun you know before my wednesday was just like all right it's home day everybody's home day <laughs> but other than that is now it's like dude today's our day me and my boys day and you know we're gonna go to golf land after after work if they're good and stuff like that so I, I love doing that. I've slowed down just a little bit lately because because they were in baseball and karate and we're pretty much using a lot of our extra free time for that. Um, but now that it's summertime, we're getting back in the groove. We're doing our daddy days again and the kids love it. I really, you know, I would really tell anyone if you're trying to find a, a way to bond with your children and you work a lot and you just feel like, Maybe I'm doing my job by working, but the children don't always understand that. Take a few hours of your of your week. It doesn't that doesn't have to be Wednesday. It could be Sunday. It could be Saturday. It could be whatever day that works out for you. 
Um, and just spend those couple hours. You could be working 80 hour weeks and still find four hours to hang out with the kids. So, um, that's something that I like to preach. I, I've always wanted to get on a, a, a podcast like this and just tell people about that. And hopefully I can spark something in your guys' head, um, and get you thinking about maybe I should do something. If you're not doing something all the time, it doesn't make you a bad person. We're all hard workers and, and we're, we're getting stuff done and we're paying the bills, but sometimes those kids don't understand and they don't understand how important it is for a dad to get up in the morning at four o'clock and go knock out a bunch of tractors and get back. And now he's tired. Now, you know, he sits on the couch to watch a movie with you and then he passes out. And then some of the kids feel like, man, dad doesn't do much with me. So if you just spend that extra time, I think the kids will appreciate it. And, you know, it's a great, it's a great opportunity to build some, um, you know, some relationships with them too. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So, uh, I had, we had to take a little break there for a second. Uh, I know you got a few questions for me. Uh, let's, let's hear a couple. All right, Mr. Colton, are you ready for this? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How, who's who's better on the escalator? You or Mrs. Certified Wrench Podcast? Oh, shoot. Who's digging a bigger hole quicker? Have you guys done this before? <laughs> we haven't done this. I let her operate an excavator one time. She went out on a Saturday with me, and uh, she she was picking it up slowly. I let her drive around a, a, a wheel loader as well, and... I think she did better in that, but um, I I just showed her enough to where she wouldn't know how to dig my grave, you know. <laughs> Dude, I tell you, six feet by hand with a shovel—that's not easy. But yeah, you give her an excavator, your ass will be gone quick. Yeah, so I didn't try to teach her too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. Um, I'm sure you got this one before. But what if your son turned 18 years old and he was really smart? He had good grades. He thought he was going to college. But he tells you, Dad, I want to ranch for a living. What are you telling him? So, you know what's funny? He's 13 now and uh, he hates school. Like, he has, he does, he does really good in school. He, he finished his seventh grade year with A's and B's. Um, but I guarantee he's not going to college unless it's a trade school. That's what he's already told me. Um, he wants to be an electrician. So I'm like, that's fine with me, you know, but I don't think he has the mindset or the want to be a mechanic. He doesn't want to learn any of that stuff. So I don't think I have to worry about that. But I mean, if he actually came to me and was like, I want to learn this stuff and I want to do it, I, I would let him, you know, I would try to teach him. I don't have a problem with it, but I would definitely try to burn it into his head. Like, this is how you're supposed to do it. Don't do it this way because you're going to pay for it when you're in your 30s or 40s, you know, back problems or shoulder problems or any of that. So that's where I'm at with it. I mean, if you ever want to do it, shit, why not? Hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, right now my two boys, you know, they're, they're not too big in wrenching. They're six and nine. But... You know, when they get to be teenagers, they get a lot more interested in it. Mm -hmm. They get, hey, I want to work on my go-kart and this and that. So we'll see in the future. Um, I personally would love them, love to keep them on a path going 
to school. Um, I would rather have them not work with their hands, believe it or not. I'm a very big promoter of working with your hands and doing all that. Um, but my boys, if I had the option, I would rather have them go to school. One actually wants to become a politician hmm. and the other one actually wants to become a doctor. So we would run with that. And if that didn't work out for them and they tell dad, hey, dad, you know, this ain't working. I've always felt like I wanted to be, a, you know, a mechanic. I would say, all right, you gave her hell. If that's not going to work for you, let's let me show you what it's going to be like to be a mechanic. So me personally, that's where I stand with that. Um, I would love just to tell them, hey, jump into this trade and do this and let's do this. But it's not easy, dude. Okay. And it's expensive and it's fucking hard work. So I'm, I don't think that they couldn't do hard work. But obviously, I'm going to try to promote them being a doctor and then obviously a good politician. I went through, you know, politics with the earlier, a politician that understands America and fights for the people. That's how my older son thinks a lot. Hmm. And um, so I would totally be cool with that. Um, but if they wanted to be mechanics themselves, I would also be cool with that. And I'm saving all my tools for them just in case. Um, but we'll see how things go in the future. Yeah, definitely. That That's pretty cool. I mean, you said your nine-year-old wants to be in politics? Yeah, he, he understands a lot. We have him read the Constitution a lot. Yeah. This what's going on in the world right now, and he wants to change things. So <clears throat> there's a lot of, you know, people out there, even on our side that we like, that, you know, they're doing things that are not for this country. And uh, he feels like he could do things that are for this country and get this country back on track. So I wouldn't mind him trying to help out and do that if he, you know, if he's got the right mindset and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's definitely cool, especially at nine years old, you know, recognizing certain things. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it might be a little bit because of his parents, but he's <laughs> he's ran with it and he he understands and we don't we're not brainwashing him. We just teach him the good stuff. I mean, we just teach him the real stuff pretty much. This is this is the Constitution. This is what the Constitution says. This is what people are doing. This is the law. You know, this is what people are doing. They're breaking the law. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, this is what our founding fathers wanted. And this is what's going on now. And he understands that type of stuff. He watches a lot of Prager U. We watch some 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 TV shows that are not their normal TV shows. They're more conservative and mm -hmm. more about America and stuff like that. And, you know, we pay a little extra for that stuff. We get books um, that are you know, more about America and stuff like that. And, you know, my wife prides herself on that. She, she, she really likes teaching them all the, the really good qualities about our country. <laughs> yeah. Well, shoot, man. What else you got? What else we got? So, <clears throat> you know, there's one thing I did forget on the tool stuff. So, like I said, you don't want to end up with a big tool bill, but I just want to tell you guys what I have. I mean, I have a Husky box right now. I'm 10 years in. I got 200,000 followers on my Instagram, and I don't even have a snap-on box. I got a Husky box. I got two cabinets that I paid $100 for each, and I'm storing all of my parts in there. Um, you know, the way I've been taught in the beginning is I buy a lot of Caterpillar cases, and I store a lot of parts. I got, I got, you know, I sent you some pictures. I plan on sharing them with everybody, but I've been... <clears throat> I've been collecting parts for years now. 
Um, anytime that I see parts getting thrown away, I see a bunch of warranty stuff with a bunch of, you know, connectors on it. I'll go cut that connector off in the garbage and I'll disassemble it and I'll put it in my Deutsch kit. And, um, you know, and then I'll use that connector next time I need to make a repair and buy a new one and then put that in my Deutsch kit. And then that's how you guys make kits. Um, same thing goes for grease fitting. Next time that you need to change a grease fitting, buy two grease fittings. Put that other grease fitting in a kit and make a kit for grease fitting so that way next time... You don't have to walk to the parts department back and forth. The way I was taught is you don't want to walk to the parts department back and forth all day long because you're taken away from the customer. You're taken away from the time that you could be working on their machine at $180 an hour. So if you could take the time, just make your own little parts departments. And once you're ready to go into the field, you take all those cases with you, you put them in your field truck. And when you need to make a repair, you don't have to tell the customer that you need to go back all the way to the, to the dealership. So you can get a P clamp. You tell them, I got that fucking P clamp on my truck right now. That's why you're paying $180 an hour and I'm going to make this repair. And then when I go back to the, to the shop and I'll pick up my P clip that I ordered for this one. Um, so that's the way I've been taught. I've been always taught to, to save the customer time. It's always about the customer. You need to have what on your service truck. I know I'm not a field technician, but I've been taught pretty much to be a field technician. Like if you look in my two cabinets that I have that I bought for a hundred dollars, you'll look in there. I'll, I'll post up some pictures. I got P clamps. I got zip tie um, uh, boxes. I got hydraulic fittings boxes. I got hydraulic hoses boxes. I got test fitting boxes. I got everything that I seen the field guys have that they needed to complete their job every day. So that's a big part about working on heavy equipment. Start your, start your collection right now. <clears throat> I got guys every day, at least three to four guys a day coming up to me saying, Q, do you have this part? This part's back ordered. It's in Cal. I need it. I need it right now to keep on going. And we'll go through my stuff and we'll find that part. And I'll say, okay, buy it, order it, send it to my drop. And then I'll take it. You take this one and start your repair right now. And that's what it's all about being more efficient. And that's what I'd like to preach to the techs out there. If you want to be a field tech, Start your collections right now. Start your fitting collection right now. Start your O-ring face caps. Start your JIC caps. Start, you know, all that stuff. And then not only that, I've done, um, recently I've been making a lot of boards and I do it on my own time, but it's something that I always wish that somebody did for me is sometimes you're looking at, you're working on a machine and it's really hard to find that clamp or it's really hard to find that zip tie or for whatever reason, it's more efficient just to come over and look at my board and find it rather than going online or, you know, looking in sis. So a lot of guys, I got a, <clears throat> I got a, a boss board, a weld on boss board. I've made, I've got a clamp board to where you can come snatch a clamp. If you need it that day, part numbers on there, order it, place it, replace it, put it back on the board i got a zip tie board that shows all the different zip ties that Caterpillar has to offer. Plus, there's a ton more that I still haven't got on there. Um, I got a P-clamp board, um, all that type of stuff. And I have them all kind of, believe it or not, I just drilled a bunch of holes in the back of my cabinets and the back of my toolbox. And I got them all hanging on the back for all my technicians. And if you need something, they already know. They can go to the back of my toolbox and my cabinets and they can see all these boards with all these part numbers. And the idea is to keep you guys more but another idea is a field guy can come there or I'm taking pictures and I'll be posting them up. A field guy can order 
every clamp on that board. And then next time they're making a repair, they'll have that clamp in their kit. They charge it to their service truck. You know, I do those handicapped part numbers all the time, and everybody's like, dude, Caterpillar parts are so expensive. Their tools are so expensive. Well, I mean, I don't say it a lot, but that's not for all of you guys, too. It's really, that's, that's for a lot of our field guys who could just charge stuff to their truck. They could just easily, oh, dude, Caterpillar Engine just posted this part number. I could use this on my truck next time that I have a, um, you know, an alternator or whatever that this this connector needs to be changed. And this is a, a connector for that or, or whatever. I mean, long story short, the whole Caterpillar Engine page is just kind of made to help everybody out and i do the handicap part numbers to help you guys out too and to kind of set you guys up for the field and i'm um, just trying to help out with that page like i said before i haven't made any money on it i don't get any money i don't do nothing with it if somebody sends me something yeah that's cool i get a couple t-shirts or something um but i do it for you guys i do it for my followers i do it for my cat technicians i do it for all my technicians if doesn't matter who you work for. If, if you see that board or, if, you know, you got some part members out there, it helps you guys out. Maybe stay more efficient. Maybe even yourself, Colton, you could go and order some zip ties and say, dude, he's got the part number for those blue heat-resistant zip ties. Every time I go work on the DPF, I need those blue zip ties, but I never got them. But look, at Caterpillar Wrenching's got the part number. So <laughs> um, just real quick, that was real quick. I'm lying to myself. Nothing's <laughs> real quick with me. And that's kind of, I just wanted to touch on that too. Um, that's another thing that I take a lot of pride in and I'm a lead. So it helps us create a lot of jobs. And then one more thing I want to touch on is, is binders. I got a lot of brand new guys. We're doing pre-deliveries and they want to know all the different steps, setting the security, you know, checking the pressures, doing all this. So what I've been doing lately is making a lot of binders. And I, I really, I want to promote that to anybody if, if you're doing something all the time or if you're not doing it all the time and you have to figure out some work and it takes you some time to figure it out, write it down, put it in a binder. So that way you could save it for the next guy. So he doesn't have to reinvent the wheel and you could save your company some money and make some money, um, make some profit instead of, you know, going over on the job 20 hours every time. Let's, you know, let's make a binder and see if we could save 20 hours on this job. So that's something that I like to promote. Um, at this point, I got fucking binders all over my, my desk. I need to probably stop and slow down on them. But they're very beneficial, and I really would like to tell anybody out there, if you're know if, if you working on something and you don't think you're going to see it again, fucking print it out, put it in a binder, and believe it or not, you'll be seeing that machine again, and you'll be seeing that problem. You can hand that binder over to the next technician. And you could, you could literally save them hours and, and it creates friendships. It creates good relationships with your techs and they really appreciate that type of stuff too. Sweet, man. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure that helps a lot, you know, especially with your training. Um, you know, like this is because you showed me the pictures and it's pretty, it's pretty freaking detailed how you got it set up and it's pretty cool. I, I'm. I think I'll try to share the pictures. I've only got a limit of so many pictures. You know, maybe we can give people ideas. Um, yeah, yeah. Share the pictures. Do what you can. And um, you know, after this podcast, I will make sure that everything we talk about that I try to post a lot of this stuff and show you guys. And and I've been I've been meaning to get on there and post a lot more of this stuff and post more of my stuff. And you know, like I said, life. And I'm, I'm really hoping at some point in my life here, I can, I can gain some extra time to really benefit all my followers. Cause there's so much more I could do. Like I said, we need to get paid more. 
we need to be more efficient. I got different ways for that, you know, tons of stuff. So I feel that Caterpillar Ranching, I really just wanted to make it a beneficial page. I didn't want to make it another, just another Instagram page. I wanted to put part numbers on there for you guys. I wanted to put like, you know, I want to show people recognition. I want to share cool ideas. So if you guys got any cool ideas, there's lots of stuff in the future that I would like to do. I want to do like, Hey, would you be okay with repairing this like this? You know? And then I want to see all the comments from all the different texts. Everybody's got their own idea. You know, I want to see, I got so many ideas in the future. So if I could, if I could free up some time of mine, um, just, 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 Go ahead and keep following Caterpillar Wrenching, and it's just going to get better and better. Um, we're at 218,000 followers right now. It's been going on five years, you know, since 2018. So, um, you know, just hit that follow button and then come hang out with us as a community. And hopefully we can benefit you and make you a better, better technician by all of us working together and reaching out to different techs and learning the different ways they do different things. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. I, uh, I was going to say, cause usually at the end of my podcast, I say, where can people find you? But obviously, you know, we've talked about enough in this podcast, <laughs> you, Caterpillar wrenching on Instagram, correct. And Facebook. Um, yep. I'm on Facebook. I'll be honest. I never even look at Facebook. It's just kind of attached to my Instagram. So it always just, it always just post on Facebook too. So if I'm not commenting on Facebook, it's probably because I'm just, I'm just too busy to be honest with you. And, uh, I'm super sorry. Once again, if you're, if you're reaching out and you're sending photos and you're not getting no reply, just, just send me a message. Cute. You're an asshole. Reply back to me. And I'll <laughs> say, dude, I'm so sorry. You know, like, it's just life, you know, so Caterpillar yeah. Wrenching, obviously Wrenching.com is a new one. Wrenching.com is already up and live. You can go find it. You can go check it out. There's nothing crazy on there. I got some big ideas in the future, working on trademarking the name right now. It's in the process. And once we're fully trademarked, I mean, balls to the wall, there's going to be some really badass shit on that page. Um, so check it out. CaterpillarWrenchingStore.com. If you guys need any stickers, I got some hats. Honestly, I don't get too many sales. So if you guys could help support Caterpillar Wrenching, that'd be awesome. Um, get my wife off my back a little bit more about all these <laughs> stickers that I buy all the time and stuff and these hats. <laughs> I'm sure you know all about that. Oh, She's yeah. all, we don't got no extra money for this shit. I'm like, come on, babe. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help the guys out. So if you guys can help support Caterpillar Wrenching, I know sometimes I'm not really quick to send the stickers out the same day or the day after, but, if, if I make you wait more than two days, you're getting free stickers. Um, I'm normally sending free stickers with every package already. So we plan on doing some free giveaways in the future. I'm trying to get those up and running again so we can all benefit off following Caterpillar Ranch and maybe get a free free tool out of it or maybe a free shirt or hat. And um, that's pretty much where I'm at. I just want to make this a beneficial page for everybody, make it a community for us all to um, gather on. You don't have to be a cat technician to be sending in photos at Caterpillar Wrenching. I will post um, just about anybody who's working on Caterpillar equipment. So if you're working on cat equipment, tag Caterpillar Wrenching in your story, tag Caterpillar Wrenching in your post, and I will do my best to get it out there. Um, you know, if there's a if there's somebody that you guys know, I've used this page. As for if there's a 
somebody has passed away in this trade and you know them and their family needs some extra money, I'll be more than happy to do the GoFundMe on my page. Um, if you just want to get your, you just, just want to get your photo on Caterpillar Wrenching, all you have to do is just ask. Just say, hey, Q, can you post this photo? I'd really appreciate it. And I will almost guarantee you that I'll post that photo. Um, I don't charge anybody to post photos. It's all just one community. We're just having fun sharing the different things that we work on every day. And if you're not checking out those daily stories on Caterpillar Wrenching, you need to, because I think that's the best part of Caterpillar Wrenching, seeing all the daily stories from all the different mechanics in different countries um, working on the cat equipment every day. So check that out. Um, go check out those websites. Thank you very much, Colton, for inviting me to this podcast. I'm sorry. I've been talking so much. I told you before <laughs> that I, I'm pretty sure we'd make it to two hours, uh, two hours right now. I could probably talk for three, but we're going to save that for the next episode. Yes, sir. Um, we're going to do a part two. Hell yeah. We'll do a part two to this one and uh, it'll hopefully be just as fun as this one. And uh, I really appreciate you guys listening to me. Um, I'm just an average guy. I'm just a father and just a hardworking blue collar man. And I was able to create this big community thanks to everybody and thanks to you guys. So it's our page. I like to say it's our page. Um, I'm literally the only one who runs it, but it's our page. And um, let's do our best to show the young, um, the young community um, what this is all about. And let's see if we can get somebody interested in this trade. And if you are interested in this trade, reach out and I'm more than happy to talk to you and tell you how I got through it. And, you know, if there's anything I can help you with, or if you're interested in working at Holt California and Pleasant Grove, hit me up. I got no problem talking to you about what it's like working there and give you some good ideas and what we get paid and all that good stuff. So once again, Colton, thank you very much. Um, thanks for taking the time to do this for everybody. I know how it is. It doesn't, <laughs> there's not a lot of appreciation, but I, you know, your, your listeners appreciate it. I appreciate it. And then the young generation up and coming, you know, 10 years from now can still listen to this and appreciate it. So thank man. you very much, Colton, yeah. for what you do. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. No problem at all. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do this real quick and uh, we can chat after the podcast real quick. Right on. Sounds good, brother. If you need to get a hold of me, you can reach me at certifiedwrenchpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, and YouTube, all under the Certified Wrench Podcast name. Check out the merch line. There's a Linktree link on all the social media pages. Also, there's a PayPal link there for donations. If you guys are willing to donate a dollar, $10, $5, it doesn't matter. Anything helps. It all goes towards the podcast and updating some of the equipment. Anyway, you guys, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Quentin, for joining us. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. And everybody, you guys have a great day. See you guys. See you guys.